Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroth, Trusted Authority on Executive and Transactional Liability and President of Rubicon M&A Insurance Services. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today, I'm joined by Gus Marshall, Head of Transactional Liability for CFC. CFC is a specialist insurance provider and pioneer in emerging risk and market leader in both cyber and transactional liability. Gus is here today to present CFC's newest transactional liability product, which was just launched, entitled Transaction Liability Private Enterprise, or TLPE. Now, on a personal note, M&A Masters has been uh, doing podcasts for over two years. Gus is the very first transaction liability insurance person to be here. And it's a real key date for us because Gus is here to talk about a new product that's the first time in rep and warranty for a long time that a new product has been launched. And this is a product that is designed specifically for an unserved market in the M&A community. These are transactions with enterprise value of 10 million and less. I'll say that again for you owners out there with companies 10 million or less, investment bankers, business brokers, or buyers seeking companies at a value of 10 million million or less, we now have a product that has not been around. Gus, it's a great pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me, Patrick. Delighted to be here and and flattered to be among such uh, August company of M&A Masters. Yeah, and before we get into the TLP and CFC, let's talk about you. Tell us personally, just what brought you to this point in your career? So, um, you know, a prior life, so to speak, I was a uh, M&A attorney at Norton Rose Fulbright here in Sydney. Um, and it probably would be remiss of me to not mention my background, which is somewhat unusual. I'm dying in from my um, parents-in-law's house in Sydney uh, and I'm in the, the pottery studio, um, but uh, I've converted it to a, a makeshift M&A centre. Uh, but ordinarily I'm based in London, uh, as you said, with CFC. Prior to my my joining CFC, I was uh, head of M&A for the UK and London market at AIG. And I moved to CFC about two years before that. And and as I mentioned, I was an M&A attorney at Norton Rose Fulbright in Sydney. And I think it might be interesting to your audience to know that that the Australian M&A insurance market, it's one of the most developed in the world. So in many ways, I had um, the perfect market in which to learn the uh, the, the key skills uh, of underwriting and advising underwriters as an attorney here in Australia before moving to London um, close to a decade ago now. So I've been knocking around the M&A insurance market for, for pretty much a decade. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to be involved in such a nascent, innovative and emerging type of uh, insurance sector as TL Insurance has come to be. Yeah, and let's, for our audience members, just understand CFC is a long-term player in rep and warranty. Actually, just full disclosure, Rubicon just placed a, a recent uh, traditional rep and warranty policy with CFC. So you, you guys have been around for a long time. And let's, let's talk about CFC and just the nature because it is very innovative. And you know, talk about the culture that created the opportunity where you know it came up with a new product like TLP. Sure. So CFC... Um... <laughs> 
founded about 20 years ago by um, our founder and CEO, Dave Walsh, who at that point identified a, a real niche in the market with cyber insurance. Now, cyber insurance back then was um, certainly nowhere near what it is today. And like all businesses, CFCs had to evolve and um, we got some things wrong and, and we got some things very right. Um, but about the name, you know, th this sort of tells you a bit about, about that story. And that is CFC stands for click for cover, not anymore, but it did. And the original theory there was we wanted to be a web-based insurer for cyber where you could literally click for cover. Um, now things have, have evolved since then and we've, we've dropped the click for cover and now we're just CFC and also expanded across a, a whole variety of different um, lines of business, TL being a, a pretty core line. And um, you asked about you know, how do we come up with TLPE? So it's at the height of COVID, we were, um, I think it's fair to say, fairly concerned about the outlook for m and I think everyone was. And we wanted to try and create some opportunities and some positives from what was a fairly depressing blip on the overall M&A life cycle. Uh, and CFC, we do a lot of SME business. And I think the board at CFC myself got together and we identified, I think something that we all always knew for a long time and that is there really isn't a product for what is such a massive part of M&A and, and that is for deals under $10 million enterprise value, the so-called SME micro segment. Uh, and for us, this was quite a, a neat pivot, both from a TL standpoint, but also from a CFC standpoint. So for TL in our, what I call our main market, um, we write deals in the lower mid market. And our, our sort of sweet spot is deals with an enterprise value of about $200 million and under. And so what we thought of TLPE is, it's really just a natural extension um, beyond that lower bid market into the SME and micro segment. And the pivot I mentioned about CFC is you know, we are already a, a very key SME um, insurer, both on cyber and other lines. So you know, we're always a little bit displaced in TL, only riding that lower bid market without riding the SME. So it's a nice, um, I guess, return to CFC's roots being a, a, a key SME insurer. Well, you had mentioned once when uh, you were rolling out TLPE, what was the average deal size enterprise value where rep and warranties purchased? So I, it sort of depends on who you ask, but yeah. um, I think it's it's probably fair to say across the market, it's about 350 to $4 million. Yeah, 350 to $400 million is your average deal that gets insurance. And they may only get a you know, $10, $15 million policy, but I mean, and there are thousands of those deals happening every quarter. That, that blew me away when I first got into M&A was I didn't realize how many of these things were happening. And, and typical for most people that are involved in M&A because they're just looking at the Wall Street Journal, the news, and all they see are the multi-billion dollar, you know, Whole Foods being bought by Amazon, you know, and so that's, that's their perspective. And uh, what really I found uh, great was that you know, as rep and warranty has been coming down market where they were, their threshold was $100 million transaction value down to 50 million, down to now they can do as low as 10. There's been kind of that hard floor for the markets. They will make an exception from time to time to entertain a deal. But then you've got the, the converse issue and the limitation with rep and warranty is the amount of diligence that's required 
in order, in order for a deal to be, even become eligible. And you've removed all of that. And so now we've talked about your thinking behind this vast market and you're ahead of everybody else because I'm sure everybody else right now is busy with what they have. I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing. And I appreciate the innovation with CFC is rather than being, you know, having lack of bandwidth, let's look at some other place where we can be real efficient. And I think that was one of the focuses you had. And let's talk about some of the things that are going to enable you not only to enter this market, but to sustain it. Because you talk about, you know, making sure that you have a real streamlined application process and submission process. How are you going to do that? What are your plans that way? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot in that question. Um, let me start by just trying to identify some of the things that we knew we had to get right in order for this product to work. Um, and, and you've already mentioned a couple, uh, but you know, this is the context, right? So reps and warranties is currently Wall Street and we want to make it Main Street. And we did that by saying, okay, so what are the pain points for current reps and how do we change that for TLPE? The pain points are the process was too long the cost was too high, and I'm talking in the context of SME, of course, the cost was too high for SME because of that minimum premium interaction. Um, the third point is, you know, it's not just the cost of the policy, it's also the cost of the additional diligence required in order to have a, a policy underwritten in a conventional sense. So if you, if you wrap that all together, it's gotta be a compelling price point. Um, it's gotta be speedy in underwriting. And the third point I think that's that's really key is it's got to be simplistic. And, and that's really because we're talking to a much larger distribution community. And there's always been this, um, I guess, this mystique around reps and warranties insurance that uh, it's insurance by name, but not really by nature. And where you go with that is, you know, there's no application process. The underwriting is kind of inverted um, as compared to other insurance products. There's not a high volume. There's this prevailing view that you have to be an M&A lawyer to understand it and to be able to broker it. And so there's always been this natural resistance from insurance brokers to want to even venture into the world of M&A. And what we've really tried to do is not just achieve the speed and the price points. Um, we also wanted to simplify it so that we could have uh, as broad a distribution community as possible, uh, feel confident that they can both recommend this product to their clients, but also place it from a technical standpoint. Yeah, I, I, that's absolutely key because I, I can tell you the challenge that uh, I see out there for, for brokers is brokers will not discuss a product or an offering with prospective clients unless they really are comfortable with it. Because I mean, human nature, they just don't want to look uninformed and they want to yeah. be able to answer the client's questions. So if they don't understand it, they're not going to talk about it. But let's talk about TLP just in the basics and, and we'll talk about how it's different. And most of our audience is familiar with the traditional rep and warranty policy. So let's go step by step on a couple areas on, okay, how's TLPE different? Number yep. one, you know, let's go over this and you explain this. Okay, it is not a buy side policy. This is a sell side policy exclusively. Talk about that, Gus. Sure. So, um, <laughs> The main reason why we can expedite underwriting and also reduce the underwriting costs is we're relying a lot on the knowledge of the seller. And if you play that through in the SME and micro market, the seller is often the manager of the business. And 
this plays into what is the basis for pretty much every other insurance product. And that is your insured is telling you the truth. If they don't, then you know, coverage is far more limited, um, but we're relying on their knowledge and um, their integrity in buying insurance and what we do with an application process, which is really the pinnacle or the center of our underwriting. The application process captures that knowledge and tries to tease out some of the more material issues that might be relevant to a transaction. This is all in the context of um, our theory and our philosophy when it comes to micro and SME is we need not apply the same underwriting process to this end of the market because these businesses, there is some complexity, but it's nowhere near as complex as you know, your multi-billion dollar deal that gets insured in the main market. So it was inappropriate for us to adopt the same um, very interventionist um, type of process that aims to kick every single um, little tire uh, in a, a company. We wanted to make it application-based. Underwriting can be achieved in, we can get a policy to insert within three days. And another point I'd make is there's no underwriting fee. The underwriting fee is often charged on the main market. We don't have that. And we, we don't need it and we didn't want it because that was just another barrier to accessing this part of the market with a new product. Yeah, you just you just carved out thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars in costs off the top with that. I'll I'll comment on just on your application. Again, you can reach out to me uh or or to Gus, but we can get you the application. Rubicon MA Insurance Services has this application ready to send out on demand for anybody that asks for it. It is it is intimidating in terms of uh, an application if you compare it to other insurance applications, but it is absolutely market for a due diligence checklist. It mirrors that. And there are a lot of sections that don't apply, but it's one of those things that is available out there and it's, it's nowhere else in the market. Um, let's talk about just because TLP, as great as it is, it's not for everybody. Let's talk about their particular industries that you like. Let's focus on the ones that aren't eligible and why they're not eligible right now. Yeah. So some of the, the industries that are ineligible um, for TLP would be um, US healthcare, pharma, financial institutions, excluding insurance brokers. So, so that is in appetite, but everything else is, is out now. There's a robust market for insurance brokers acquisition. There absolutely is, which is why we carve that back into appetite because, well, there's, there's various reasons we can go into on that. but. You know, just sort of thinking about those out of appetite industries, um, I would say that the one that is practically relevant and therefore, um, I guess, material to the market would be you know, there are a lot of healthcare deals under 10 mil and healthcare has its own, especially in the US, has its own risks and exposures, which generally don't lend themselves to a streamlined underwriting process. Financial institutions that I mentioned as well, I consider that to be somewhat academic as a kind of exclusion um, or out of appetite sector, primarily because we don't expect to see many financial institution businesses at under $10 million. So look, we, we include it for completeness, but as I said, not, not hugely relevant. Perhaps the, the easiest way to think about it is, um, is trying to think about the quintessential or, or kind of target insured. Um, it's mum and dad entrepreneurs who build a livelihood through a business or a variety of connected businesses and they want to retire. 
that's a, a really a core market currently. And it could be anything from a chain of restaurants to um, a consulting practice to a construction firm. As I said, it's kind of, you know, what's on Main Street and, and that's it's pretty much 99% of what's on Main Street is in Appetite. Let's talk about a, a clarification you have for uh, technology because technology is all over the place. And then we'll talk about okay. a case study with a technology firm, but distinguish eligible tech from ineligible tech. Yeah, so I think um, it, it broadly breaks down like this, that um, a technology being sold pursuant to an asset purchase agreement, we can get our arms around. I think when you're dealing with a acquisition of shares of a tech company, that doesn't mean that it's out of appetite, but what we'll often see with those deals is a very, very high um, multiple evaluation. And when we can't reconcile the economic basis for a business, we find it difficult to provide an insurance solution. Whereas when it's an asset deal, um, you don't have necessarily that EBITDA valuation um, issue that we often encounter on share deals. Um, now, I know there's, I, I sort of refer to it, uh, I don't mean this to sound pejorative at all, but it's kind of like the after aftermarket um, in California for technology where a lot of uh, companies have used, a lot of companies have failed, but they still have valuable technology that they want to try and um, realize some value for, and they sell that as an asset. That to me is a perfect fit for TLPE, along with you know, the mom and dad entrepreneurs that I, that I mentioned earlier. Now, we can't talk about TLPE without talking about costs. Okay, yeah. one major savings right now, there's no, there's, excuse me, there, there's no underwriting fee, which is fantastic. Let's talk about the pricing, and I because I've done this too. Is let's compare, you know, a a, a five million dollar TLPE versus a five million dollar limit. That's to the, the the full transaction, by the way. Uh, TLPE versus a rep and warranty policy. Yeah. So average rate online range is between one and two, but I think really it ends up at 3%. So it's between one and 3%. Now for the non-insurance audience, um, rate online is just an expression of premium over total limit bought under the policy. Um, so between one to 3% and just some of the factors that, that influence that rate. So it's, a lot of it comes down to what the NAIC is, the North American Industry Code of the target business is. Um, that sets the, the initial rate. And then there are positives and negatives to that rate based on the responses to the application. And also importantly, based on the percentage of the policy limit relative to the enterprise value. So the more limit you buy relative to EV, the um, cheaper the policy becomes as a rate online um, percentage. Okay. So let me just let me just sort of bring that to life that um, if you're buying 10% of the total enterprise value, your rate online for argument's sake may be 2%, but if you're gonna buy 100% of the enterprise value as a policy, then your rate online would probably come down to about 1.2% for illustrative purposes. Um, so it gets cheaper the more you buy is, is the bottom line there. But the bottom line is the price is determined not by the transaction value, but by how much insurance you buy. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, you know, we've got a $5 million sale. Do we want to sell, you know, two and a half million dollars worth of insurance to insure, you know, to the full five? And then just you make a decision from there. Yes. Yep. 
And um, so that, that's certainly one factor. Uh, and I think, interestingly, for the reps market, certain responses in the application may reduce your premium. So to give you an example, if you use, say, multi-factor authorization to um, control your cyber network, um, well, that would be a credit to your premium. If you buy cyber insurance, again, that's a credit. Um, so, you know, we've constructed the application not just to try and elicit information, but it also informs what the total price is. The, the bottom line is, as you'll see this, this can all be played out, you know, in a matter of a day or two with the application and so forth. You, when we get into this, and we remember now, as a sell-side policy, unlike a buy-side policy in rep and warranty, where buyer experiences a breach, suffers a financial loss, they go right to the insurance company, done. Okay. With the sell side, what happens is that in the event of a breach, the policy is specifically written so that it is triggered when the buyer comes back after the seller. Let's talk about that real quick and just the dynamics of how this policy works. Yeah. Um, the seller gives reps to the buyer. The buyer discovers an issue. That issue constitutes a breach of the rep. The buyer brings a claim under the terms of the agreement against the seller. At that point, the seller has a claim under the TLP policy and the insurers will indemnify the seller in respect of the buyer's claim. So this, I mean, it, it's one extra step where under rep and warranty, buyer goes right to the insurance company. Under TLP, buyer approaches seller, which is no different than if there's an escrow and the buyer is notifying the seller, hey, you know, the funds in escrow, we're going to have to claw those back now. We need to retain. It's, it's, the difference is negligible. So this yeah. is that big a departure. And so now you've got to ask sellers, you have the protection that the, the rep and warranty policy holders have. So it, it is very helpful in that way. And, and one thing I'd say on that is um, the buyer can know about the insurance. In fact, the buyer can recommend to the seller take out insurance and the dynamic there that I think is, is quite attractive is if the buyer ordinarily is demanding an escrow from the seller, the seller can come up and say, well, I'm not going to give you an escrow, but I will have insurance, which should give buyer comfort that there's something that backstops any type of potential issue um, that, that comes up in the future. I, I, yeah, I, I hate to interrupt, but I mean, that's the other issue that comes in here. Apologies for my lighting over here. But the, the other issue that comes up with uh, in, the, in the micro market where rep and warranty is not available, the buyer's major segue is a major escrow and they require the seller to carry a DNO tail because yeah. then there's at least a policy the buyer can say, well, I'm going to go make a demand because there was a misrepresentation. Yes. Although, it, you know, is a contractual breach, the DNO policy, we're getting too into the weeds with insurance, but there are problems with that, but it's better than nothing. Well, now you've got this product that's designed specifically for these buyer claims. Yeah, look, it, it's um, you're absolutely right. And one of the the questions that you know, even though this product has only been been launched for just over a month now, one of the questions we often get is, well, why don't I just buy DNO runoff? And, and this is to your point, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, you you absolutely can, but DNO generally excludes liabilities in relation to a breach of contract. So as much as it was the only thing available that gave a, a, a scintilla of peace of mind, 
it was so imperfect that I kind of question whether it was even worth the money. Yeah. If your objective in buying it is to protect yourself against a, a breach of, of rep in a contract. Um, and TLP fills that gap. Um, so you know, it's, it's, it's there exactly for that reason. And that's why we think that it's, it's such a neat solution for the sellers. I should probably say, um, you know, the other question I've, I've received uh, a lot is, uh, so why is it the sell side only and not, not the buy side? And it's a good question because for those familiar with reps and warranties insurance, 99% of policies now are issued to the buyer. The key reason is, as I said in my remarks earlier, we really want to capture the knowledge of the seller and offering only to the seller means that the underwriting required can be so much faster and so much more efficient. If we were to underwrite on the buy side, the cost would be higher, the, um, there would be, probably be an underwriting fee. And one of the reasons for that is we'd have to forensically go into every single warranty and rep yeah. and make sure that they're market because the buyer, don't forget, has a direct recourse against the insurers and has, can leave the seller right out of it. So there's that, that kind of moral hazard that the yeah. seller doesn't care, the buyer agrees, very favorable reps. And if we were to be so streamlined that we couldn't pick up on that, well, you know, I don't think we'd have a product for very long. You, 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 wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be around for it. And I mean, and, and this hasn't happened in a vacuum. TLP is not in a vacuum. And I, I can tell you because we're very proud that, you know, we, we do have a case study to talk about where TLP brought a deal from the grave and close within two weeks. And uh, the situation is gonna be one where we have a SaaS company and a small $5 million transaction. They reached out to Rubicon and said, hey, you know, we just had our deal you know, taken off the table because we have a disagreement with the buyer and it's specifically this. In the event of a breach of the IP reps, the buyer was gonna go and pursue the seller saying, hey, you're gonna pay us any loss or damages as a result of IP reps. But us, we, the buyer, are going to retain full control of defense counsel. So if an IP rep does get breached, we're going to get our attorneys on and defend it vigorously, and you're going to pay the bill. Okay. It was a very large Silicon Valley-based buyer that was doing this. And the, the seller, quite frankly, said, look, that's a blank check to you guys for your attorney's fees. There's no way. And that was a line in the sand that both sides had, and the deal was dead. All of a sudden, TLPE is announced. We said, wait a minute, there's another way. We could insure the intellectual property reps in the agreement. In the event the, the buyer suffered a loss, they had control on their attorney that they were going to go ahead and do because that's their loss up to the policy limit. So they could spend as much as they wanted, but you know, there, you know, there was only so much out there. But that provided that way that the two sides could bridge their disagreement deal close. I mean, it, it actually took longer to get the bankers back in, get the finance realigned than it is to, to get the insurance. And that's, you know, our role here. We want to be the conduits that are going to go ahead and help deals close successfully because we've got these owners and founders of these lower middle market companies. They create a great value from nothing. And they've got these small issues that, you know, that can bridge that, that are a reasonable risk to take. And, and that's been just a great, great uh, avenue. And we see this happening more and more, particularly out here in Silicon Valley. But, you know, Gus, you know, you, you know, this deal it was the first one you guys did. Any comments you have on it? Yeah, I, I think just 
to pick you up on some of the, the remarks you made, Patrick, um, what was pleasing is, um, you know, we pitched TLP and we still pitch it as peace of mind to kind of mum and dad sellers. Not that in this instance, they were mum and dad sellers. It was a sophisticated company, but, you know, it, it's, it's originally pitched as peace of mind. But what was so pleasing about this deal is it can be a deal facilitator so much more than we thought it would end up being. Um, both from avoiding the need for escrow, but also um, unlocking or bridging the gap between um, negotiation expectations. Uh, so it's you know it's pleasing to know that a deal got done that otherwise wouldn't have done, and that's because of insurance. And um, I often joke, you know, pe people say the hardest thing about insurance is telling your parents you, you're going to get into the insurance industry, but. <laughs> We've, 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 I, I got to say, I mean, to the market, we've done a great job, I think, of creating a, a very valuable product for deal facilitation, risk transfer, and overall M&A efficiencies. Uh, and, you know, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm chuffed to be part of it and chuffed to have, have uh, brought this TLP product and excited that you were the first broker to, to place the first policy. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're looking forward to a lot, a lot more. The hardest, the first one is always the hardest one to get and so forth. Um, give us your projections. I always ask my guests, you know, what trends do they see going forward? You know, what, what do you see going forward for, for this, at least in 2021 and then from there? Yeah. Um, so what I'd say, first of all, is um, with any new product, it inevitably evolves. And there, there's also inevitably competition. I mean, there, you know, there'll be another insurer that comes out with um, a, a similar product. And that's great. I mean, we welcome we welcome that. That's a market operating as it should. Yeah. But you know, in terms of projections, I think we're going to see uh, some pretty consistent demand for the next six months. Whilst brokers who probably aren't familiar with with M and A insurance understand that there's a product now that services that lower end of the market, uh, and then we see consistent growth thereafter. I think an interesting point to note from an M and A perspective is there's far less of a cycle in the, the SME market than there is in any other part of the market. And we like that because uh, we generally don't have asset bubbles that affects risk in the main market for M&A insurance. And also it allows us, I mean, one of the big issues as, as you would no doubt have experienced Patrick in the current M&A market is one of underwriter capacity. We are in the biggest M&A boom in modern history. And there just aren't enough underwriters out there to yes. service all the deals. Um, so we think with TLP, we can have a far smoother resource allocation to service these deals. And you know what helps is CFC's long history in servicing thousands of policies every single year that also renew every single year with a, a tech-enabled platform. Um, so that's something that, that we, we bring to this product as well. What was the number of prospective businesses out there uh, transactions like 230,000? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's hard to accurately project or, or sort of estimate private. Yeah. market addressable market, especially in the US with um, a lack of public disclosures required, unlike say the UK where um, some of your US listeners might be outraged to know that company accounts at even small co companies are disclosed and available for free to everyone. Yeah. Um, that's not the case in the US. And uh, so it is hard to, to assess the target addressable market, but based on various data points, we think there are about 230,000 
transactions in the sub $10 million market segment of the US, US alone that is. So, and, and there's so much to draw from that, right? Like even if we're only 10% right, or we only get 5% of that market, uh, that's still easily more than what the, the main market of reps and warranties insurance currently services. Yeah, and, and it's just, a, it's a great, great opportunity. Gus, how can our audience members find you, find CFC, questions about TLP? Sure, so um, I, I, I think one of the key points would be, um, we have a webinar that was recorded and uh, that you attended. And uh, that's quite a good point, just to run through some of the, the key parts of TLP that's available on CFC's website. Um, look, I want to be found. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. We're, I'm on the CFC website. If you just jump on the CFC website, you, you'll find my email address. Um, shoot any questions you have. Delighted to um, to help you know any MA practitioners and lawyers and the like understand what this product um, can do. But you know, equally, we only engage and transact via an insurance broker. Um, so. Patrick, you you were the first one to do it. That that's that's worth a um, a deal tombstone, which uh, aren't often given away. But I think this warrants it. So I, I'd recommend that they get in touch with you first and foremost. Yeah, I, I would say that the the insurance is it's anonymous. It's an it's a regulated product. It can only be placed through an insurance broker. And, in, and this is circle slides. It's just another layer of complexity in regulatory stuff. So. Uh, I, I would stress if anybody wanted information or the application just to have a look at this, reach out to me at pstroth at rubiconins.com. You can look up rubiconins.com, uh, the M&A Masters podcast, you can check there and uh, ping us and we'd be happy to go ahead and respond. We've got to get, get a, a couple more things up and running on the site, but absolutely, I welcome you out, uh, anybody for this. It's great because this is where we've wanted to, to live is to really serve the entrepreneur. We really look forward to it. Gus, you came up with, you know, the better mousetrap that's out there and I hope the world beats the path to both our respective doors. Likewise, Patrick. Great. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, we're going to be talking again. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Patrick.